Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. John Kurtz, one of our good friends. Look him up on YouTube. He's got a great um, content uh, on his YouTube channel. Uh, K-State. John, it's been an interesting uh, last couple of weeks. Look, Will Howard in the transfer portal. The Avery Johnson era officially begins. It begins with a bang at the the most interesting bowl game that there was in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Uh, And then uh, now a new offensive coordinator. Uh, Your head must be kind of spinning just football-wise when it comes to Kansas State right now. Yeah, there, there's definitely a lot going on, although I would say at least lately things have been trending in the right direction. You know, I mean, there around the, the time that Colin Klein left for Texas A&M, it was uh, feeling like the, the bottom may be coming out and you, you worried about where everything was going. I, I think this program has done a really nice job of stopping the bleeding, and that's, that's really a testament to kind of the, the culture that Chris Kleiman has built. You know, I mean, he's, he's just such a rock-steady individual that uh, I think that's been reflected here. So, yeah, I feel like uh, – after the bowl game, Avery Johnson, you know, you made it through this transfer portal window. Avery Johnson's still there. He's going to be there. He's going to be the quarterback next year. They are hot to trot after some wide receiver targets in the transfer portal. They seem to be stepping up their NIL game. They seem to now have a plan at uh, at offensive coordinator, which I think will be a co-coordinator situation. And uh, they're bringing in a former Big 12 head coach in order to do that and, and be the quarterback coach of uh, Avery Johnson. So I, I feel much better about things than I did uh, a couple of weeks ago for sure. All right, John, let's let's unpack it a little bit. I guess it'd be best to start with the bowl game because that's that's kind of the older news now at this point. But the Pop-Tarts Bowl, obviously a very festive uh, game and uh, a lot of attention being paid to that because of just the, the host and, and how they, they handled the, the Pop-Tarts Bowl itself. But getting a win over a top 25 team, getting Avery Johnson out there in front of America. Just what were your feelings about the Pop-Tarts Bowl as a whole and I guess what it does or what it showed for Kansas State football? Yeah, I, I feel really good about that performance, honestly. I, I think it's, it's aged well to me, too, as I, I think about it in retrospect. Because look, going into the game, I mean, I, I kind of felt like there there was a good chance that they would lose. I know that NC State was playing without its, its best defensive player in Peyton Wilson. 
who was the Benaric Award winner, but that that was still a really good defense that had basically everybody else there. It was the top 20 defense in the country this season. And you were going at it with a quarterback making his first career start at QB and then a, a first-time play caller and offensive coordinator. And Connor Riley, who had the reins for the bowl game, you were without Ben Sinnott, who was the best target that K-State's had basically the last two years uh, on offense. And it's going to be an NFL tight end. And then they were without Phillip Brooks, who was the most consistent and reliable wide receiver that they had last year, too. So minus all of that, I mean, the offense really did a pretty nice job putting up 28 points. And you had some drops from receivers, quite frankly, that didn't help Avery Johnson out very much. They killed a couple of other drives, or else they, they could have put 30-plus points on the board there. But let it wire to wire. They were in control wire to wire of that game. I mean, I, I come away feeling really good about it. I thought Avery Johnson acquitted himself very well. Um, obviously, he's the bowl game MVP. He had over 250 total yards, three touchdowns. He, we know he can run. Texas Tech certainly knows that. You saw the five rushing TDs he had in that game. He had another spectacular rushing TD on a scramble, but you know, that, that kind of slot fade that he threw to Jace Brown at the end of the game to put it away in the end zone was a beautiful ball. He got to see Jace Brown make a play and he had over 400 yards receiving in the back half of the season. Uh, looks like K-State's most promising young wideout in a very long time. Uh, and I think those two are going to have a really good connection. Love that. They use Garrett Oakley, who's a guy that they feel like has Ben Sinnott type upside uh, at, at the tight end position. He had a nice game, although one of his huge plays got called back, uh, on a penalty, but I digress. He, he had a really nice game for K-State, too. So there was a lot to like. Defense was rock solid. Um, I come away feeling feeling really good, and, and especially to accentuate the Avery Johnson point. You know, I mean, I, there's been so much hype about him, and I saw some who were kind of like, okay, I mean, you know, looks pretty good, but there's been so much hype. Like, why didn't I see, like, some five-touchdown performance from him or something? I mean, go look at other true freshman quarterbacks across the country that have played like Jackson Arnold. I think he just threw another interception, just had another turnover as we speak right now. You know I mean? He another heralded freshman who struggled in the bowl game with turnovers, Arch Manning. I was reading this long piece uh, on the athletic the other day about Arch Manning when he was getting interviewed at media day uh, before the, the sugar bowl. I mean, he didn't even get on the field ahead of Malik Murphy, you know, who I, I think we all saw has a bunch of flaws. You just look at Dante Moore really struggled at times this year as a freshman, like, the fact that he didn't turn it over against NC State, who was second in the country at turnovers force per game or interceptions per game, it was uh, to me was incredibly impressive. I think the poise with the skill set that you see is is enough to, to have you really salivating about the possibilities for next year. Yeah, I don't think that that you can just look at a box score and be able to have a great indication of Avery Johnson's talent level because as soon as you turn the TV on and watch him, it's pretty clear. You know, like he the box score is not going to show you the the athletic ability necessarily, but yeah, it's pretty clear when you watch. It doesn't take long to figure it out either. The kid's got some tools, so yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, I mean, and, and you can see that you can see that from the word go this year. The second he got out of the field, I remember the first non-con game that they played this year. Um, one of the first carries he had. I mean, he was just making people look foolish uh, running out in the open field. So, you know, there's a reason. I felt like this was probably a little harsh from uh, Andre Ware, who was doing color in the game. But he, uh, as Avery Johnson rolled out on that scramble touchdown he had, he said, "Well, yeah, that'll make you hit the transfer portal." Uh, kind of in, in reference to Will Howard there. And, and look, I think Will's great, and he's probably going to wind up being the quarterback of Ohio State next year. Um, but uh, at the same time, yes, you, you can't understand why why that talent would drive somebody away. All right, let's talk about that real quick. Will Howard and Ohio State, I guess potentially USC or Miami as well, but he's going to go visit Ohio State, and this might be the first 
transfer portal visit quarterback they've had. I mean, sometimes these things are not as as public, but he, he seems to be because they weren't in on a Cam Ward, and it didn't appear that they were in on any of these other guys like Gabriel or Dante Moore or whoever. Do you think he's a fit for that system, or is he maybe the most reliable guy that's left in the portal? I think it's probably some of both. And, look, I am rooting like hell for Will Howard. I mean, I love the guy. He was uh, great for K-State, won a Big 12 championship, something only two other quarterbacks have ever done in school history. Uh, He's a stand-up guy. He went through a lot of crap throughout his career and uh, didn't transfer early on when I think a lot of people really would have. So I utmost respect for him, and I want nothing but uh, his success next year. I think at Ohio State, he probably is about the most reliable guy that you could go out and get at this point. You know, the Cam Ward sweepstakes was certainly something that a lot of people had as a very coveted item. Um, and him going to the NFL was a big blow, I think, for a lot of people really interested there. And so it makes sense to me from that aspect. Like Ohio State, I mean, we all watched the bowl game, right? I mean, the Cotton Bowl, they were just dreadful at quarterback. And it, and it seems clear that they're going to need some help there. Uh, so I, I see why they would be going to pursue him right now. As far as his fit, I, I just think the fit is Ohio State figures to have a lot of weapons around him. And I, I say this without in-depth, intimate knowledge of what exactly they have coming back, but they churn out NFL wide receivers. Um, they've, they've always had a stable of really talented running backs. And the thing with Will Howard is he was at his most effective in 2022 when his numbers as a starter that year were elite, you know, top 10 in the country in terms of points per drive when he was leading the K-State offense. Uh, in 2022 and that was when he had the most around him he had Deuce Vaughn he had Malik Knowles he had Cade Warner to go along with Ben Sinnott um, and I'm not sure that K-State had anybody else outside of Ben Sinnott this year who who could touch either of those three in terms of their their actual talent in the in the passing game in particular DJ Giddens is pretty good so maybe I shouldn't put that on him but you get the point like when K-State had a lot around him he was really good and when there was less around him and things got a little less reliable and a little more shaky he was a little more shaky. So I, I don't know that he's the kind of guy that's going to elevate an entire roster or an entire offense to an elite level. But if you put elite pieces around him, he's certainly a guy that can deliver the football and, and get them out to the get the ball out to those playmakers. And that was clearly what was just sorely missing from uh, Ohio State's performance when they're having to rely on, again, uh, a true freshman quarterback to slam home the point on Avery Johnson. You see how that looked at Ohio State, and you see how that looked for K-State in the, in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. It was quite different. So – uh, that, to me, is where I think he, he can be pretty good uh, for Ohio State. Is that going to be, like, national championship good for them? I don't know. And, again, some of that would come down to some Ohio State analysis that I just don't have, uh, not being close to that program. But, yeah, I think there's every reason to believe that they could put an offense around him that would that would allow him to be pretty successful. So, John, uh, offensively for Kansas State next year, Avery Johnson's the man. We know that now. He's got some, some good tools around him. But now – uh, the offensive coordinator question uh, with the departure of Colin Klein seems to be getting answered here pretty soon. Uh, officially, Matt Wells, uh, I guess it's unofficial right now, but should be official here, you would think, soon. Matt Wells to be uh, come the new offensive coordinator. I think most people's brains go to his time at Texas Tech. That's not really indicative of the entire picture, though, with Matt Wells. I understand he's pretty close with Kleiman. So your reaction to, to Matt Wells, he's actually been rumored for quite a few jobs, it feels like, this offseason. Remember his name getting brought up for the Baylor OC job at one point. But uh, why does this make sense, or why does it not? Just sort of your feelings on Matt Wells as the, the new OC in Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, it's not shocking to me at all because I can remember – uh, hearing Chris Kleiman say at 2021 Big 12 Media Days that uh, Matt Wells was one of his best friends mm-hmm. in, in the coaching industry. So it's kind of been 
on everybody's radar for a little while, uh, at least in K-State circles now. Like when Colin Klein got the job, I think at that point we were wondering, like, hey, is, is that something that you know, could Matt Wells be the guy then? Um, I think what will actually happen, and we'll, we'll see how this plays out. You never actually know. But what it was sounding like to me early, uh, and by early, I mean, like, it was like, I would say early in the day yesterday when really we started to get word, it kind of started to get out there that this was going to happen. It sounded like he would be the co-offensive coordinator with Connor Riley and be the quarterback's coach. Who would be calling plays in that scenario? I don't know. Um, But my expectation is that this would be a a co-offensive coordinator situation. Now, look, to be fair, I work a day job. I haven't been totally uh, in the loop on everything the last, you know, maybe like six, seven, eight hours. So maybe something has changed. Um, But that was what I was hearing as of yesterday. Now, as far as, like, my immediate reaction, I, I won't lie. I was a little bit like, eh, you know, I mean, I think it's solid. It's it's not – to me, it wasn't a home run, but it felt solid. And I was kind of like, eh, you know, maybe that's kind of a single. I think I'd probably upgrade it more to, like, a double after diving into some of the numbers there because, you know, it was going around the offensive numbers of all of his teams at Utah State and then Texas Tech. And really there was one terrific year with Jordan Love. The rest was, you know, kind of iffy. Um, but if you break that down, and I have to give a lot of credit to my guy Cole Manbeck, who's a podcast co-host of mine on the Three Mile Podcast, Casey Sports Network, uh, he's great with this, and, and he really dove into it. I mean, I mean yes, there was one t- tremendous year with Jordan Love, and then Jordan Love fell off the next year where he his interception, his touchdown to interception ratio went from like five or six to one to about one to one uh, when when Matt Wells left. I mean, his production really changed that last year after Wells was gone. Um, and then before that, early on in his time at Utah State, he, he turned Chucky Keaton into a star, and they had a really good offense with him one year. But then back-to-back years after that, they had a great start the next year, and he blows out his knee. And then the next year he tries to come back, and he gets hurt again. So quarterback injuries really thwarted things at Utah State after he had already turned Chucky Keaton into a star. So I, I would argue that he produced two real star quarterbacks at, um, uh, at Utah State. And then I don't know. I'm sure I'll have Texas Tech fans coming at me for this because I've seen their reaction to it. And look, I, I get it. They didn't like him as a head coach. And it sounds like cultural fit, CEO stuff as a head coach. He was not very good. Game management, not very good. I mean, he's not going to have to do any of that as a quarterback coach and a, and a co-offensive coordinator. And at Texas Tech in 2021, he had a top 30 offense uh, when, when he left. Uh, if you're just looking at the numbers at that point in the year. So that was another thing Cole pointed out to me, like, you know, the offense wasn't that bad, and they were 5-3, and three, and it was actually a game-changing play by Felix Ndike Uzama in the final game before he got fired uh, playing against K-State that kept them from being 6-2. and two. And then I don't know if they even could have fired him. So I I think Tech fans are probably a little too harsh uh, on, on him, just in, in my humble opinion. Not that he was necessarily the right guy there, but you're talking about him being a position coach and co-offensive coordinator to work with Avery Johnson when he turned out Jordan Love and – and Chucky e. Keaton at Utah State, and now has worked under Oklahoma and at Oklahoma and Brent Venables, and uh, and I mean more importantly Jeff Levy, and hope he picked up some new ideas there with some time off. Like, yeah, I mean I, I think there's a lot of reason to believe that this this could work. Um, I think one of my concerns would be like recruiting wise. Uh, you know what kind of recruiting chops does he have, especially compared to Colin Klein, who I think was a, a pretty good recruiter. But look, I, the things I was hearing today is that. Uh, I, I, I will just say I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by what I'm hearing so far on, on that front. So I, I am I am coming around to this actually being, a I think, a pretty 
pretty stealthy, solid hire for K-State. Well, John, I, I do think you're right there. Like, part of it was just the personality wasn't a mesh in Lubbock. It just wasn't, and it wasn't going to be, uh, and, you know, they, like that's they went the other direction. They went with a guy who is – Got tons of it. So, yeah, I don't think it was, a, like, maybe a fair thing. And, again, you're not talking about this guy taking over for Chris Kleiman. You're talking about him working for him. Yeah, exactly. And and I also just think, like, the injuries were such a huge part of you know, context matters, such a huge part of his career. That last year at Texas Tech, too, I believe there were quarterback injuries then. I mean, it, which I, Tech fans, I feel for you. I think that's been the story basically every year of Texas Tech football since Mike Leach left. <laughs> I don't know that yeah. that's – that much of an exaggeration the fans I guess the Patrick Mahomes there but um you know so he's that has has stunted a lot of what the final numbers would be with those offenses I I think you think of him I thought of him as kind of like a bland personality but if you go look at what his offenses actually are they're, they're not really bland offenses and you know I mean that that I think is kind of the problem like K-State fans I think have bad flashbacks to Courtney Messingham, who was the offensive coordinator under Kleiman before Colin Klein, who was a pretty bland goal. Like that was not a real fun, sexy offense, really hard to recruit receivers to play in it. And so when you, and, and he had kind of a dull personality. And so when you see this guy, like, Oh, we think he's kind of a dull personality got fired from it. I think a lot of people fell back into that, but that's, that's not really what Matt Wells offenses actually are. So I think if you actually start to do some digging, I'll be honest, it was kind of a lazy take from me on it at first. And if you start to do some digging, I think it, it sounds a lot better than it actually might have on the surface. So, John, I guess just uh, we'll probably, I'm sure, check in back with you at some point during basketball season and whatnot, and then as we get closer to spring ball. But what's kind of on the to-do list now at this point in your eyes with the it looks like OC settling in, uh, obviously Avery Johnson at quarterback moving forward. That was kind of a no-brainer. But uh, what's, what's on the to-do list, so to speak? Transfer portal wide receivers, I think, is is number one. Now, you know, I feel pretty good about what they have. Like I said, I think Jace Brown is a, is an emerging potential number one uh, for them at receiver. They've got Keegan Johnson, who last year at this time, everybody was stoked. They got him away from Texas A&M and Notre Dame. He was a huge coup to, to get out of the transfer portal. He just had a rough year. I mean, he battled some injuries, but never seemed to be able to really turn it on. He was like three for 30 in the bowl game after having some time to heal. So I – I guess there is some cautious optimism for him too, but I know they felt like he had the skill set to be a number one. Um, he'll be around. Uh, Jaden Jackson's coming back, who's okay, you know, solid, at least gives you a veteran presence there. And they've got a couple of young guys, uh, like Trey Spivey, for instance, who they're, they're really excited about. But I think he will just have to really dedicate himself to the offseason. But he's got a ton of talent, a ton of size. But it would make you feel a lot better if they get one or two guys that um, – I would I would want like a high upside guy and then maybe more like a proven production sort of guy. One name I would say, I have no idea how realistic it is this time around, but they were in on Malik Benson, uh, who's originally from Lansing, Kansas, went to uh, one of the Kansas Jucos, I think it was Hutch, uh, and then went to Alabama, and he just hit the portal. He was one of the nine players from Bama that hit the portal today. So that is one to watch out for. He's obviously got a ton of talent. If, if Nick Saban had him on scholarship, he had like 168 yards receiving this year. It was not a crazy productive year at Bama. Uh, but they've got like three or four names that they're they're pretty hot on the pursuit of right now in the in the transfer portal at wide receiver. Would be nice if they could get a nose guard. It sounds like they may have a linebacker coming in to visit, um, potentially another offensive lineman too. They've got some needs there, but really for me, it's like, hey, go go get another playmaker or two for Avery Johnson to throw the ball to a wide receiver, and uh, and I will feel a lot better. I'll, I'll also keep an eye too on what's going to happen with the coaching staff. I mean. I, there have been some whispers about maybe there was going to be more change than what we had already seen on the coaching staff. Not 100% sure if that's going to happen, but 
um, definitely something to uh, to keep an eye on if you if you are K State right now. But I think at this point they've they've taken care of a lot of the real real major things, and now it's just you know more of the the icing on the cake sort of stuff that they'll be they'll be looking at. John Kurtz, KC Sports Network, with us here on three sixty five Sports. John, thank you so much, man. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, anytime, guys. Take care. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.